Hello, everyone. I don't have any internet, but uh, welcome to Reconcilable Differences. And uh, this is an episode of the show. Um, okay, I don't think I can get the doc. Okay, I'm freeballing. You, you're going to have to run this whole thing. What else is new? Uh, uh, Merlin, if you have no internet, how are you doing a podcast with me? <laughs> with my mind. Um, well, John Syracuse, Syracuse, the way that I'm doing it is, I, I, don't, I don't like your new photo in contacts. I'm going to bring back the My new David photo? Glowing. Do I have a new photo? What well, you, you, you and Casey both have these, just sent, I got resent new stuff and I always accept because I'm a gentleman. You accept. You I, nev- just, I never accept. Why would you accept? I'm never accepting again. It's just, just Casey's big face. It's your big face. I don't need to look at your face. There's a reason we do a podcast. What is it? Is it my ancient picture that I use everywhere? Or is it the newer one? No, no, it's not the R's like headshot one. It's right. um, I can say. Am it I in front? Am I, I don't know if I can flowers? say it to you. <laughs> Are you in front of flowers? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to. How do I escape out of this? I think maybe I just don't know how to use computers anymore. Command one, command zero. Uh, you are yes, yes, yes. It's a it's a round it's a round yeah. photo. Yeah, that's and you got one. your hair parted in the middle, and it looks like there's maybe something like I want to say like daisies behind. You. Right, and I'm wearing my glasses. Yeah, that is a very recent photo. That's from this summer. I mean, it's not a bad photo in most senses, but I like the paper doll better. I mean, we talked we talked about this before. Like the big problem is for the photos of myself, I can't take them very easily. I got to get a tripod, and it's just the whole thing. No, you just got to be still. You can do it. Um, yeah, I don't like a lot of these. Anyways, um, the way I'm doing it is that uh, I'm just using 5G. So, like, we're we're recording via Zoom. I'm using... Oh, no, I thought my Do Not Disturb was on. What's happening? Oh, I like that photo of me. That's the one I used for you when you were young and handsome. That's... Um, thank you. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you to say. I think that was by, I want to say, Maggie Mason. Um, the other one of me that's really good is by Graham Ballantyne. That's a very good one. Do Not Disturb is on. Um, to quote your favorite band, they might be giants. Everything is catching. Yes, everything is catching on fire. That, did, you know, did you know I sing that to myself when a lot of things are happening at once? I believe it. Not to myself. I sing it out loud. Yeah, I believe that Everything too. is catching. Yes, everything is catching on fire, Glavin. <laughs> I was going to say Why that. Why my John that Linnell sounds so... <laughs> shifting into Frank real fast. <laughs> with Linnell and the thing. So just to reiterate, you're doing you're doing this over your your cellular telephone. That's how we are podcasting right now. Yeah, if I were outside of my private office at the foot of Coit Tower, I would have 5G+. plus. That's pretty good. It's no yeah. Casey's bench level, but it's pretty good. I got regular 5G, so we're using that as, I don't want to say as a monitor because I enjoy being able to hear you and I like believing that you hear me. And I'm also recording locally with the wonderful Audio Hijack. Um, yeah. So when when the listeners hear the show, it will sound good. But right now, you sound really tiny and far away to me. That's how you sound to me. Mm -hmm. Hmm, Like thinner? Is is that a Stephen King book? Yes. Uh, Short story. Am I getting thinner? Short story, I think. Maybe Novella. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call House of Usher? You call that a novella? I don't know. Heart of Darkness? What do you call that? Heart of Darkness is a novel, right? I think it's at the high end of a novella. Hmm. This was the end of the river, all right. So close. And so we're here to talk with you today. I don't know what episode this is. I have a pretty good idea what we're going to talk about. Um, and I'm very happy that you're here uh, with us. There's been a lot of compression in my schedule. Those of you who used to listen to Back and Work, back, what's it called? Back in Work? 
that can work. <laughs> Back to work. Uh, something I tried to introduce to Dan Benjamin is this idea of what I call compression, which is when you have several different things and the schedule keeps sliding, it creates compression. It creates like other things. It becomes like, you know, like Christmas or WWDC, or as Casey says, dob dob and, and compression. So like today's my quote day off. Today's the day when I do things that aren't podcasts. And I've had like five hours of podcast today. Yeah, this is my third podcast this week. A busy week for me too. You did you did morning podcasting. That was weird. Casey sounded sleepy. He's sick. Yeah. Oh no, he's got the COVID. No, he's just. I mean, what test? What test does he like? He didn't test. He did. He did the indirect test. I meant to talk to him about this in the show, but we have so many things. Indirect the the test by analogy method. <laughs> no, it's like his his daughter was sick. Took the daughter yeah. to the doctor. Got her tested for everything, and she didn't have COVID. And then when he See, got sick, this, his, his, uh, his logic was, well, I, sh- I probably got what she got, and she didn't have COVID, therefore I don't have COVID, therefore I'm not going to test. And he's probably right, but I'm he not should sure stick about to programming. The, uh, the methodology. Yeah. I'm not sure either, John. I'm not sure that even counts as a reckon. Yeah. But anyway, there he is. He's, you know, he was croaky and, and uh, not feeling too great, but we, we got the job done. And I, I'm, I haven't gotten to the flying money yet. Did he? I'm sure Mark ordered something, right? Well, no spoilers. No spoilers for other podcasts. Okay, fair, 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 fair. And so here we are. And um, a copyrighted segment of everything that John Sercusa does is... <laughs> now it's funny because I'm saying it wrong. John Sercusa. Make the joke too many John, times. You, you forget how to do it the right way. That's what happens. No, I have to imagine you're a Rebus title. John Sercusa. Sure. I mean, there was a lot of pausing in there, but okay. That's the shirt. Maybe in like alpha slab, just the word sure. No, actually, that's a good idea. I should do a Mary, Mary, Mary shirt. That's a good shirt idea. <laughs> oh, that could be our Christmas idea. Mary, Mary, Mary. I mean, Mary. it's too late for sure. Christmas, but yeah, let me, let, me, uh, let me put a note to myself in here to do this. Note to yeah. self. Let's see. I don't know why I said alpha slab, but some kind of like a, you know, a big blocky uh, serif face. I was really sick last week. I, 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 I'm not going to admit this. I'm not going to fully admit this. Imagine that what I'm telling you is only partly true because I actually spent more money than I'm going to cop to. Mm-hmm. Bought some fonts last week. Do you ever go to Matthew Butterick's uh, typography site? Do you know him? I don't think so. Google Matthew Butterick, B-U-T-T-E-R-I-C-K. He's one of those fascinating Brett Terps types. He's a, an attorney. He's a developer and a designer and he wanted nicer fonts for his legal work and so he made his own called equity and let's just say that i bought that one let's not say that i bought all of them let's say that that i bought his main face equity they're really really nice faces and i'm going to implement them i like i like i like a serif michael serif i see his uh practical typography.com website that's it yeah isn't that a be- isn't that a beautiful look though? You-, you remember the way that like I don't know if it's like this anymore. You remember like Kudal's site, where like mm-hmm. you go like, oh my god, this site is so gorgeous. Why does it look so pretty? And you look at the code and you're like, wait a minute, this is Times. It's just beautifully kerned Times. <laughs> times can look so good if you treat it right. You know what I mean? I do. I, I like the do. way Jim sweats stuff like that. Um, did we close all of our parentheses? Uh, or or we were trying or to get the follow up, but you got distracted. Why do you say that? Why do you say that? Why are you so hurtful when you say that? Well, I, what do you mean? Why do I say that? I say that because it's the why thing do you that say happened. That? I'm conveying. Well, there's all kinds of things you. about you that are a train wreck that I never pick pick because <laughs> I know what you're sensitive about you, it. You, 
I know it's you're sensitive about happened. things, and I really, yeah. So like, if you like, if you like, like slug Daisy in the face, you'd go, "Oh, it happens." What do you say? Like, I'm Italian. Like, what do you say? I think uh, maybe those things are not comparable. I'd appreciate you not dragging her name through the mud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and follow up this week. Hey, uh, the copyrighted feature of everything John Sercusa does, which is follow up. John wants to follow up this week. Fault he this asked, week. comma, he asked, he asked unhappily. Mm-hmm. The fault this week is a, it's a thing like, you know, where if you like have it's like more a, of a comment than a question, yeah. if you have like a new year's resolution, but then like you tell all of your friends, like you, you tell, you tell the world so that, right. uh, that now you feel more pressure to do it. Well, I think that's, that's a, I think that's a form of like public accountability. Right. And like so hold, hold me to this. That's why I'm putting this in the actual program instead of just selling you, sending you a text privately or whatever. Uh, this this episode, this week's episode, is one of our ones where we don't have extra special member content at the end of it. But next week, we will have extra special member content. And what I would like for oh, us to do... Well, that is that is a really big assumption on your part. Not next week, next episode. I always do that. Anyway. No, no, I know. But but like, but like, you're saying we don't do challenges here? So we what do I'm do saying homework. is... Next episode, mm. when we have the yeah. member uh, special member content at the end, what I would like that member content to be is a discussion between you and I about the movie Contact, which you have not mm. yet seen all of. So right now, and follow my follow up mm. item is Merlin needs to watch Contact yeah. sometime between now and the next episode. I I italicized it for you. Okay, all right. I have I have a copy. I will watch it. The whole thing. Okay. Well, that was going to be my question. Yeah. No, yeah. The whole thing. D- like, but like, this, it doesn't need to be all at once, right? Like, if I suddenly feel like watching, if I want to watch Henry V, I can dip for a while and come back, right? If it takes you several attempts or you do it in sessions, fine. I would prefer it all at once. I think it's a great family film and you can get the whole family to watch it with you and it would be great. <sighs> okay. I- I'm not even going to write this down. This is, I'm going to say this right now, John. You know, you say stuff like that a lot. You say you should watch mom, you should let mom or whatever her name is whatever you call it. you should have her watch millennium actress with you and like how mom? would you feel i don't feel? think i called your wife mom you made fun point. of me because i call her mom you don't call you her fun mom of me. you call her m no what are you talking about the letter m what? sometimes you use as a shorthand mm, for your wife's name not really that's just namespace pollution um uh when we first met and we'd already been somewhat intimate uh she thought i had a different first name <laughs> you mean like the magician <laughs> what, what did you think your first name was okay understand that to almost everybody i know from before i moved to this godforsaken city what does everybody that i've ever known call me well, anybody i've ever yeah yeah like i was just ta- texting with my friend michael michael's in berlin he went to see super chunk tonight and he calls me merle mike coleman from bakery calls me merle you've probably heard roderick say it roderick still calls me merle that's what i've been called like a lot of my life and we were at a bar making mm. out and it was very, very loud and she misheard my name. And a, a point came some, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing the scene play out here. She, <laughs> did she just look at you and say, Mulva? <laughs> or, well, seriously, what was it? Was it Earl? Like what was the misheard name? Close. You got, you got the, got the vowel sound mostly right. Curl? Earl? Like, I don't know. Any my name. It's not like Merle. My, my, my wife that I have, uh, whom I love, mm-hmm. I, I've been with her since December of 1999. We've been married, I don't know, a couple years now. Um, she thought my first name was Vern. V-E-R-N? 
Can you imagine how different everything would be if my name was Vern? I mean, that kind of fits. You are from Florida, right? Or kind of from Florida. Well, kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, but I still sign stuff that way sometimes. She called me. She thought my name was Vern. And then we had a good laugh about it and made out some more. Missed a few dinners because we were, you know, doing what you do. I was young and, um, you know, drinking a lot of water. I'd lost some weight after the divorce. Did and, you do um, like the, the whole Hey Vern, like what's his name uh, skit about your name after that? I think you know M well enough to know that that's not the kind of thing that would be a bit. I don't know her well enough. You guard her and hide her. Do you want some anecdotes? The, can, you, I t- can I tell you some anecdotes? Sure. Um, so we went to a rock show. I wrote this up. It's on my old web blog somewhere. Uh, the, the night that we met and got real attached to each other. Um, good, good, just good timing. You know, it worked out. We were ready to make a bad decision quickly. And um, I want, at some point in the first early days, maybe the first week or two, I was like, oh man, it's so exciting to live here now. And like, I was like, we should go. I was like, you can go like rollerblading in Golden Gate Park on the weekends, right? Like, you know, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy's clothes. You can just rollerblade around. And she looked me dead in the eyes and she goes, we are, neither one of us is ever putting on rollerblades. <laughs> I said, oh, you know, when you see photos and posters and stuff, it looks like a lot of fun. People seem to like rollerblading around. That was one. That, that was a sh- short, sharp shock. If you could have like, you know, the, the, uh, the ghost of Merlin Future could have appeared at that moment Ooh. and, shown, <laughs> and shown, her, shown her footage of you on a Segway. And say, <laughs> rollerblading is not what you should be worried about. <laughs> meep, meep. <laughs> uh, we're at the Safeway in Petrero Hill, near where she lived. And um, we go and we're going to pick up some coffee. Should be uh, prefacing this with the years, Watchmen style. Oh, <laughs> I sound like Marge Simpson. <laughs> Must have been We're at the Safeway. <laughs> nice. Anyways, I, I pick up a giant red can of Folgers coffee. And she goes, what is in your hand? I said coffee. And she goes, she goes, put put that back on the shelf. That's put not that coffee good. down. That's what she should have said, but she didn't. <laughs> Folgers is for closers. Yeah. And so we, we bought some Pete's, which at the time I thought Pete's tasted kind of burned. Folgers, you know, he comes with his own scoop. That that that's more of what I was facing down. It's not it's not the kind of thing where we're gonna we're gonna make uh what's no, that? Why did she thought he your would... name was Vern? Because when she saw you pick up that Folgers, I know. like okay, okay, Vern. Can you imagine me riding around in Golden Gate Park? Am I uh, looking like BJ from uh, Righteous Gemstones holding my, my, my comedy-sized red can of... I could cosplay myself, and it would be sad. I should wear a helmet. But that, you know, that that taught me a lot. What's that guy's name? What's that guy's name? I know his name. Jim Varney. That's his Jim name, Varney, right? yes. Yes. Know what I mean, Vern? Yes. And character he's with Ernest. Of, he's always talking to Vern. Yeah. He's talking to Vern. His name is Ernest. The importance of being Vern... Mm-hmm. And and you have um, it started out in commercials before he did his funny movies, right? Wasn't he in like not, not PSAs, but he was in a- advertisements for things, right? Maybe. You know, he was in the first Toy Story movie. Were you aware of that? Oh, sorry, he's in the first two Toy Story movies. What was he in the Toy Story he's, movies? Can I tell you? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was Slinky Dog. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see. And then they had someone do his voice because he passed away. Uh, may his memory be a blessing. Um, so, so I sign things Vern sometimes, but I don't know. I think I'd rollerblade pretty well. I can skate well. You know, I used to skate to school. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you about that? Write um, it down. I'll tell you later. On roller we got a lot with, of stuff with to metal cover. wheels. No, they were whatever those. But like you know, it was after I was out of money, and I didn't have a car, and 
you know, maybe my bike had a flat. I don't know. But yeah, zoom, 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 right in my thesis. Riding roller skates, zoom, zoom. See, if you were just a little bit younger, those could have been rollerblades. You're absolutely right. I'm not good with vehicles. I, roll, I rollerbladed from a West Campus to my classes uh, in, uh, in college when I was a youngster. Hot. Very hot. Oh, my gosh. And that was that BU or UMass? Which yeah, one? it was BU, 1993. Okay, so BU's the only college you went to, right? Yeah. Okay, I can remember that because Jonathan Richmond um, has a line in one of his songs about dropping out of BU. So I'll remember that now. My problem is I confuse it with UMass. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're both in there's Boston things. And then like, I think there's a black Francis or Pixie song uh, that involves UMass. And then I also get confused about where dinosaur did their 1986 show where they play in a jar and raisins. And I think what's Amherst. That is a city far West of us where there is a UMass campus. And drop out of BU. I'm never going to make that mistake again. I feel like maybe maybe uh, c- constructing your mind palace out of uh, late 80s, early 90s bands may not have been the best idea. Just so you all know, I think it's funny, too, that he just did that. You, you go to you go to war with the mind palace you have, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I lick. I, I, yeah, I uh, go up to that lady from Parliament and lick her face. What is it called? Applewood? Applewood? Remember that? Remember no, that Sherlock Holmes with the guy has the mind palace? You remember? Oh, that? yes. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's a good episode. Did, now, see, I didn't like the third season. But I liked the first and second seasons very, very much. I didn't, yeah. I didn't hate the third season, but I thought the first two were pretty extraordinary. Yeah, I agree. Can I just put a pin in that, though? Um, wait, what do they say in England instead of a pin? What do they say there? A bobby? <laughs> put a bobby in it because, you know, that, that's, that's a show that we might want to, that might be useful for, for BFFing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we move so on from our, from our one I'm, follow-up item. I'm going to respond. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to respond to what you said about contact. Please continue. Oh, no, go ahead. That's what I was going to say. Tell, tell, tell me what you have done. Tell me what you have implemented to ensure that this happens. I feel like Contact was like a mid to late-ish 90s, because it has McConaughey, so it can't be too early 90s. Because like Days and Confused was his first big thing, right? And so it was probably like 96, no, 7. I bet it's 97, Contact, right? Uh, I don't have the internet, John. You got to look this up for me. Yes, 97. Okay. Um, I lost that one in the lights. Although I was going to a lot of movies back then, I, I'm almost positive I've never seen Contact. And I was like, and then I was like, mm, I don't know. And then I heard a little about it and I was like, this sounds corny, not my thing. I mean, this is around the time that I'm like getting into David Fincher, right? Mm-hmm. And still watching a lot of like European indie stuff. Uh, and I was obsessed with mainly with indie, indie rock music. So that might have seemed a little mainstream. Now, here's what I learned. I'm pretty sure that is from a book that was written by Carl Sagan. That's true. And it's a, it's a novel written by Carl Sagan. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's not based on his own experience. As far as we know. As far as we know. Um, I'll do that. But don't you, do you have a connection with Carl Sagan? Was he one of your special things? Uh, I, I mean, feel like not, he was one of your special not things. Not really. He's a, he's a kindred I, spirit. I admire him. I really admire him. And I think he's one of those people to me like James Burke or Richard Feynman, where it's like, it's difficult for me not to join the cult just a little bit. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and watching, you know, we make fun, and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson does his Cosmos, which was fine. But, like, his show was, you know, like reading Omni Magazine sometimes. Like, you, you watch Carl Sagan's, was called, uh, wait, I know this, it was Cosmos, right? hmm And, I mean, it really was, for my teenage mind, sometimes pretty mind-bending. He was such a good science communicator and advocate 
for a bigger world is the way I would put it. And I'm guessing this movie fits in with that. Sort of. Well, did they know. end up sending a poet? Just watch the movie. But you don't answer my question. Have to watch it what all have, the way. I'll, what have you done through. to ensure that uh, that by the next time we record, you will have watched this movie? If anything, you can say I've done nothing. I just want to hear the plan. Oh, I can almost promise you what'll happen. Um, what I would do if I had internet right now is double check on my Plex. I know I've got at least a 1080. If there's a 4K, I'll buy the 4K. And then what'll happen is my dumb family will finally go to bed and give me a minute to myself, and um, I'll watch it. And like I said, I know it's hard to get the family to do anything, but at least give it one try and say, hey, you know, there's this movie and John gave it four and a half stars and blah, blah, blah. Like really sell it and say he, th- he thinks it'd be great uh-huh. for the whole family. I think you'll all like it. And then maybe, if, uh-huh. you, know, you know, give it Why a try. You write to, could you write to them? I think it would mean more. No, that wouldn't, that wouldn't work. And anyway, if they, if they just roll their eyes you, and you flee. You have their information, I think. Yeah. If you just if they just roll their eyes and flee, then you just watch it yourself. But at least give it a try because it really is a good family movie. I just don't want to waste my shot. You know, there's, there's I only get so many. I got the kid. I got the I kid. If, into I don't the, know if the shots work like that. I don't know if like if you have a finite number of times you your don't family know, will. You don't know if the shots work like that, really? Yeah. You don't feel like you run out of opportunities to pitch something? No, here, I, think it's, like, I think it's the opposite. I think I think it's a Wayne Grinsky situation. Oh, where, it drives him. He hates it. It's it's so, it ruins the night if I'm constantly saying, that's good, maybe we could watch that. No, 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 hey, no. Look, look, I look at it the other way. Look, there, there are moments when yeah. one or more members of your family are receptive to this type of approach, and every one of those moments that goes by that you don't attempt to seize, you will never That's score. You, you miss every shot you don't that. take. That's what I'm saying. Ah, Michael Scott. And so, That's like, good. Not, those 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 windows of opportunity don't come around very often. But when they do come around, you have to have something ready in your back pocket to deploy. You have to rollerblade to where the contact is. Mm-hmm. I don't get anything for that at all. You don't think that was funny at all? I was, if you had done some kind of Angelina Jolie hackers thing mixed in there with the rollerblading, but I feel like that's a little bit off, off the beaten path for you. Let's see. You know, I get confused because like I, hackers and sneakers in my head came out around the same time. And they're, I don't know if you know I mean, this, they're pretty the different. They're pretty different similar. movies. Yeah, they're very different movies. <laughs> they're pretty different movies. Yeah. Once Robert only Redford one of them has David. Yeah. Well, David Strahan is in only one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. I, I, some people give me stick about this and I'll just turn to my friend Dan Morn and we'll just laugh quietly. But I, I, I think Sneakers is still a very good movie. It is. I think the beginning of that movie is very strong. I never watched the end, but Sidney, Sidney Poitier, Oscar award winner Sidney Poitier. I don't know if I can say that. Big game winner, Sidney Poitier. Yeah, is they that. call him Mr. Sneaker. They call him Mr. Sneaker. What do they call you back home, boy? <clears throat> And then they made a second movie that was actually called, if memory serves, They Call Me Mr. Tibbs, to capitalize on the success of In the Heat of the Night. Mm-hmm. John Houston was in that, you know. His daughter's Angelica Houston. She was with um, Jack Nicholson for a long time. Nepo babies. They make your dreams come true. Oh, I hate that. God, I hate that. I hate that phrase. Ugh. Well, um, have you watched Gilded Age? You don't watch Gilded Age. It's not your, not your jam, right? Have I watched what now? Sorry, The Gilded Age on... Uh, yes, I did watch season one, and I'm uh, excited to start season two, but I'm going to do it with my wife. It's kind of a uh, together show. Oh, good. I would say if you haven't, if you want to... The last episode is really fun. The one where they have the... Um, what, oh, it's the one where they're going to like try and pitch everybody on the, the other The last episode house. of season one, you mean? Yes, yes, yes. And so she has... Um, what's her head? She throws the big Mrs. Um, what's her head? Throws the big party, and Mrs. Astor, and everybody comes. And then... Remember that? And... Mm-hmm. 
It's and, and the new season is banging. I watched the first episode twice. Here's the thing. And by the way, that's also, you know, Carrie Coon has been a longtime TV girlfriend of mine. I mean, obviously, but also I love, I love Mrs. Weber or Miss Weber, the, the girl, uh, the German girl who works, you know, in, in the, in the basement. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, uh, you know, their daughter Gladys, they have, they have, so the, um, why am I spacing on their name? The Russells. There's Mr. And Mrs. Russell. There's that incredibly handsome man from the TV show and Carrie Coon. And they have a son who I think is an architect and, and, and their daughter who's meant to be probably 16, 17. You know what I'm talking about? Gladys? Mm-hmm. Do you know who she is? Uh, no, but I can look it up. Have you ever seen the, the movies? The, it doesn't, you don't have to like them, but are you aware of the movie series, The Conjuring? I am about aware. the couple I think I've seen that does ghost things. I think I've seen the first one. So what's her name? Is it, I, I don't have the internet. Uh, Vera, Vera Famiglia, is that her name? The woman who's the star of the Conjuring movie? You know, you, you just search for her. You'll find her. Okay, mm-hmm. ready for this? Gladys Russell is her sister 20 years junior to her. Yikes. And do you know who Miss Brooke is? You know who plays Miss Brooke? The ingenue, the ingenue whose father didn't have any money? You know who plays her? I do not. Daughter of Meryl Streep. Really? Yes, her I'll father look, is a sculptor. I have to look at that face. I'll probably be able to see it eventually. Daughter of what's yeah. her name? Uh, Miss Brooke? I forget the character who plays Miss Brooke, the, but look for a Formiglia or Formig, whatever that name is. How would IMDb it? Oh, wait, I, Jim just texted me. I think I might have the internet back. Oh, this is exciting. IMDb, Gilded Age. Um, I, I give my okie dokie to the Gilded Age. I think it knows what it's doing. Uh, Marion Brooke, Louisa Jacobson? That sounds right. Can you imagine that? You, you know who else who used to be with Meryl Streep is John, John Casale. John. Mm-hmm. Every movie he was in was the greatest movie ever made. Have you watched Dog Day Afternoon in the last five years? Uh, not in the last five years, but I've seen it. You don't rewatch movies like I do. I, not like you do, for sure, but I do rewatch them sometimes. Oh, that's a hell of a movie. So I will do that, and I think that's how I'll do it. I don't know if I'll do it tonight. Uh, it doesn't have to be tonight. It just has to be sometime before the next episode. Is it long? Uh, I, I, I bet it's know. 220. 221? Let's see. Where is the Oh, wait. Time? I can do this. I have the internet now. It's 150. Oh, it's kind of exciting. 150 oh, that's no problem at all. No problem at all. I'll text you when they send a poet. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Squarespace is the only one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and you can sell anything, whether that's your products, your services, or, or even the stuff that you make. Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. I got to say that the online store part is one of the things that still blows me away. I, I don't think I've ever had an online store. Cause you know why? Cause I don't know. First of all, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to run a store, but I don't, I don't need to run a store. If I do that with the Squarespace, you, you, you go and physical, digital goods, whatever it is, they got the tools. You need to start selling online. And you know, look at the payment stuff. I don't want to deal with that. Well, what, what I'm gonna I'm gonna do kickbacks on credit cards? I don't think so. <sighs> Moving on, and, and to to that issue, actually, you get multiple payment options. Listen to all these things that have pay in the name. Okay, you, you get you can get credit cards, which are a kind of pay. You got PayPal, Apple Pay, Afterpay, ClearPay, 
you know, if you want to buy, 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 buy now and later after pay clear play, pay, <laughs> you got all those for options on your store. Uh, they have a new thing um, called an asset library. So you can upload, organize, and access all of your content from one place. No more scrambling to find the right con. Mm, okay, guys, let's pump the brakes. No more scrambling to find the right stuff. Because you can manage all your stuff from one central hub and use it across the uh, whole Squarespace platform. There's a whole bunch of these bullets. What you need to know is that Squarespace gets my official okie dokie. I've been using it for years. Big fan. Uh, they've been good to me, um, both with podcast stuff, but also with website stuff, you know, uh, personal sites there, uh, Roderick on the line podcast, all with Squarespace, big, big fan. So what I want you to do right now, please go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Could you tell that I was sick last week? I don't know if you could tell last, sorry, week before last. Could you tell that I was sick? Didn't have my usual joie de vivre. I'm gonna do it again. This is this is for the real heads out there. <clears throat> so you, you please, you go, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Get a free trial. When you're ready to launch, again, yeah, squarespace.com slash diffs. Use the offer code diffs. Get you, get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I'm not sick anymore, at least not in the conventional sense. I'm not sick with what I had last week, except insofar as I'm sick with the thing I've had my whole life, which is being how I am. Say it thrice and it's almost like praying. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs, and you get 10% off your first purchase uh, of a website or domain, and it shows your support for John Craig Syracuse. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. <sighs> oh, God. What time is it? 33. All right. Uh, we can keep this on the short side. I don't know. Who cares? Doesn't matter. It's an easy episode. Hmm. I'm going to have a drink of this. Technically oh, difficult, oh. but uh, procedurally easy in theory. The just watching two, of it or the production? Just two parts. Follow up, which we have now done and dispensed with. Good job, everybody. Uh, white ribbons all around. Now we come to our <laughs> to our main topic, which is copyright Merlin Man 2023, which is yes. BFF. We're gonna talk about BFF. Um, as as is usually the custom with John and I. Uh well what what happens, just a little bit of peek behind the scenes, is that John is the person who who very kindly goes and kind of fixes up the document and kind of makes an agenda for what we're gonna talk about, and then I do whatever he says. Um usually more or less of my own free will. Um, so last week I was talking about a thing that I do that I, I, I don't know, I didn't invent this, but I was just trying to distinguish between like when you're talking to people, if you're like me, you guys probably haven't figured this out yet, but I really like TV and movies and comics and stuff. I like stuff. And it brings me so much joy to talk to other people about the stuff that I love. And like right now I'm really into this band, Manic Street Preachers. I can't find anybody to talk to about like an early nineties Welsh band. They're, they're absolutely incredible. It's so wide-ranging, and I'd love to have somebody to talk to about Manic Street Preachers. I have no idea how I miss them. I just really like stuff. Um, and please don't call it content. Um, but when you're talking to somebody, you might want to, like, say, you say, oh, my gosh, like, have you watched, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, oh, you know what's good? Like, have you watched Gale, the series with uh, Chris Fleming? That's a dumb dumb but the thing is like if it's called bff john that john gets half credit for this because bff is his name for it and it, it basically it's in talking about something that you like i'm going to say especially a tv show or perhaps a podcast i think it's worthwhile to if two people who both love the show we'll probably talk about their favorite episode two people who both like the show might talk about the best episode 
But when you're talking to somebody who's never seen the show at all and has almost no context for it, the F is, or sorry, the uh, first. So like, what would you recommend as the first episode of this podcast? And, and here, granting uh, John's uh, codicil about you can't tell people to watch the middle of a show that has a narrative arc. But like, for me, that might be Taskmaster. So with Taskmaster, I might say, I don't know if this is the best season. I don't know if this is my favorite season, but this is a good first season of the show. And, and that's that's kind of what I'm hoping we get into is the how we come up with why that's a valuable distinction. The idea of us sitting here and saying what's the best Doctor Who episode is not a very fascinating topic to me. But I think it's personally, okay. I, no, I'm I'm game for whatever. I'm game. For, I just I just like to make that distinction, and I'll tell you why. Because like I don't want to sound like a jerk about this, but you know if I'm having a conversation with somebody about something and they go, actually, you know, um, I am really interested in this comic series, or I am really, oh, you seem to really like this podcast. I mean, you ever felt overwhelmed by a podcast or a TV show? Like, I can give you, I'll tell you one off the dome, Buffy. I just don't like the Buffy episodes that I've seen. I know it's Jason Snell's favorite show. It's a lot of people's favorite show. And when I make that that lame joke I always make where people say, oh, just you got to get through the first nine seasons and then it gets really good and they sing. And like, it just turns me all the way off. I'm very opposed to people always, always saying, oh, You've got to start at this beginning. You've got to watch every one. And then you got to watch again. I'm like that with Christopher Nolan movies now, where I'm like, just plan to watch every Christopher Nolan movie three times. That's the only way it will make any sense to you. And yeah, it's the I'm only sure, way to really I, enjoy I'm it. I'm sure you don't uh, don't know this because you don't move in these circles, but that exact thing that you're describing is also uh-huh. a very uh, popular meme in the video game world. The idea being oh, like tell me, these, tell me about that. These games, these games that are, you know, just sprawling, gigantic games, and people say uh, it doesn't get good until after the first 120 hours. Like, I mean, and they say those numbers like with a straight face, like not as a joke, because like, yeah, it's really hard to get. Is that games games where you like grind and stuff? Yeah, like game games where like you have to you're not even really playing the game until you get 50 hours in. It doesn't really get good until 120 hours in. And they they say this with a straight face. And so it becomes an obvious. Which uh, makes probably makes sense to other people who've played that amount of. Right. But it's kind of like you saying you got to watch the Christopher Nolan movies three times. It sounds ridiculous, but you're saying it for a reason. Just be clear. I'm not saying, okay, uh, what I really mean to say because this is an important distinction. Uh, I've learned at this point that I need to watch every Christopher Nolan movie three times. It will not reveal itself to me. I mean, Tenet being the very big example of this, but even Interstellar, I thought Interstellar was so lame the first time I saw it. And now that I've seen it three or four times, it's up there amongst my favorite movies. It, It got to me because I had to get past, in the case of Christopher Nolan, it doesn't matter for our topic, but with Christopher Nolan, you've got to get, past this obsession with how did that happen or how does that work? It's not hard sci-fi. You know what I mean? It's not even like 2001. Is hard, the hardest one he's made, for sure. Hardest sci-fi, for sure. Well, and it's I, I given to believe that it's very well sort of researched and like he got a lot of input on how to do that third act. But you don't, you maybe oughtn't be watching it as a way to clap out a physics class. Watch it because the characters are really interesting to you. The third time, well, really the fourth. The fourth time I watched Tenet was when it really, when I just really started enjoying the characters. When I started enjoying um, the protagonist that doesn't have a name, I think he's called the protagonist. Um, I really like that guy now, and I get it. And the ending makes me cry a little now in a way that it, let's just say, didn't the first three, two times at least. But you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, just to clarify, I'm not. I don't mean to be. Uh, 
browbeating people about this and saying, you need to watch TV the way I do. In fact, I'm very much moving another direction from that, which is like, I'm really, with all respect, I'm really over people telling me how to watch TV. And like, I'm not going to make a big show about it, but like, it's part of this omnibus effort that I call, what are you saving that for? Like, why are you saving the good piece of chicken? Why do you never use the good knife? I used to be one of those people. Don't use the good knife. Save the good piece of chicken. Don't eat. What the hell are you saving it for? They're saving it for, maybe they're saving it for prison. Like, like Shakespeare or Harry yeah. Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like, I don't, I'm not asking, not asking, obviously not asking you to agree with me. It's just that, like, I'm done telling people how to do that. And I'm done being overly like solicitous and interested in people telling me how to do it. Now, if it's somebody, again, if it's somebody who's like a, an, an ally, but like somebody where I know we see eye to eye on it, sort of like, again, I always go back to our leftovers conversation. You were, you were unusually sort of um, gentle about the way that you brought that to me. And it really enticed me versus what? Versus, oh my God, you haven't seen The Wire? No, I hear it's really good. Oh my God. Janine, Janine, this, this guy has not seen The Wire. So you haven't seen season three of The Wire at all? No, no, I've never, I've never seen The Wire. You know, every season of The Wire is an entire arc about one aspect of a city and how it gets corrupted. Yeah, I hear it's really good. So you haven't seen the education season. You haven't seen like season four, season five, which is, you haven't seen that? No, no, I've never seen The Wire. I cannot believe you've never seen it. Is this a Portlandia episode that I'm misremembering? <laughs> you, uh, do you want, did you read that article? Did you read that article in the Times? Did you see that? Did you see that article? Did you see that article in New Republic? Did you see that article? <laughs> I know the Portlandia, I know the Portlandia did Battlestar Galactica, but a different, slightly different angle. I think they might have done The Wire episode too. <laughs> well, I'm doing the one that there's one where... Um, Fred and Carrie are sitting there and they get into this back and forth, very like Portlandia, very San Francisco, sort of like, did you see this article? Did you see that article? Did you see that? Yeah. It's like conversation I've had a million times like that. The Battlestar Galacta episode of that show is very good. The guy, the guy who plays Ronald is amazing. And then there, there's Adama. He's right there. One more, one more. So, okay. So to, to pull back and to get out of this, I'm sorry, you guys, I've had, I've had quite a week. I've defecated a lot this week. And I've had a fever and I have <laughs> my pulse at night when I sleep is 81. Mm-hmm. I have not been sleeping well. And um, I've been in constant distress. I need to sleep. <laughs> I shouldn't put the cap from the milk in my, in my left pocket. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> for the future. These are the deep cuts for the real, the real OG. That's uh, the real, the real, the real heads. Does that look clean to you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know who's great in that is Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. but you're like this even though you're a sour little man you like stuff like you you like stuff you probably laugh at things when when it's muted and I just think it's it's interesting and I'd love to have a meta discussion about that as well as a discussion about that um, and hear what your rules are and your because you know so, so just to reiterate and then we'll I'll pop to John your best best episode or you know Best episode in your favorite episode. I think a lot of people would acknowledge. Let's look at the Beatles, right? I think that's a good example. I mean, I, I think Sgt. Pepper would not even be in my top five of the best Beatles albums. I believe it's someone's favorite album, but it's just, it's important, but it's not that good. For me, it's always between Rubber Soul, almost always between Rubber Soul and Revolver. 
and also sometimes the white album like and but is that the place to start no actually for once i might actually say rubber soul might be a good place to start first album right the f in one of the f's in bff or you know honestly i don't normally say go back to the beginning but here's a fact that not everybody knows the beatles have put out some singles starting in 62 and they started working obviously they work with brian epstein and they started working with george martin and they finally i guess with emi and they got studio time and they're going to record their first album um and they went into the studio understand now it's the beatles they're 1920 21 um john had a terrible 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 cold and they re- they recorded their entire first album in 14 hours so with that in mind maybe go back and listen to the first beatles album and you, it might blow your mind a little bit that for example you know that song twist and shout that everybody likes they would have to do a take of that and then wait and do another song where John didn't sing for his voice to come back. Think about how John Lennon sings on Twist and Shout. They had to like take time away so his voice could heal a little bit and come back. And then he, you know, wow, like all of that. I would say start there. Sgt. Pepper's overrated. And see, that's my opinion. Anyways, BFF, John. Yeah, just to preserve, uh, to help you out here, to to earn my 0.5% of uh, ownership of the BFF franchise, I just want to reemphasize that I think the canonical uh, definition, the canonical uh, phrasing of this, it's BFF for short, but of course it's best first favorite. It could be best favorite first, but I think best favorite first is bad. So I'm going to say best first favorite. That's the order they have to to go in. In the name of the Mm -hmm. the franchise. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. And if and you're going to make like, like a cool for reasons website. for reasons that's, that are hard to explain, it logically makes a ton more sense. Yes, and and you have like you have the little website with fives. I think you should make a best first favorite website where you just do like you do with fives and just write best first favorites with just like bullet points with no explanation. I'm going to write back to Jim real quick, so I'll feel better about this. He wrote me a really nice. I'm going to say recording with John. Now. This is along a critical path. Feel well. I it's it's really nice that he 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 checked in to see if yes, I'm feeling nice. better. Okay, recording with John now. I said I'm feeling so much better. Thank you, and say hi to your kiddo for me. My friend Michael Ferguson saw Super Chunk in Berlin last night. I really do feel very far away. Mm-hmm. I I know you're interested in discussing the uh, like the you know how, how do you talk about whatever you want. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to rant so discuss, much. I, I pooped a lot last week. How, how do you approach best first favorite? But I think the best way to get at that is by example. And so I have a couple of examples okay. here that we can do best first favorites at. And in those discussions, I think it will reveal our individual approaches to this. So the first one is the easy one, which is the Flop House podcast. The Flop House best first favorite Merlin Man Go. Oh, Jim. Whoa. Oh, um, best first favorite. It's it, cause like it will help me a lot to be able to scan a list, but a few off the dome and this one's going to be fairly easy. And you're actually also really getting to, to what makes the first thing so interesting to me. Right. So like you could say, wouldn't you say, John, I think they say this. I know the M- M- bim bam says this. I know. I'm pretty sure the flop house said this. I, I think I've heard you say these words for the love of God. Do not go back to episode. I have not said the that. But the, the, the hosts of the Flophouse do frequently say that. They generally point you to somewhere, probably around Rocket Crocodile, right? Somewhere where Elliot was first a regular. 
I like came in pretty early. They point way past that. I don't know mm-hmm. what they're. Mm-hmm. They, it, it varies from episode to episode and who's talking or where they say they think you should start. But they haven't really given it a lot of thought. Right, right, right. But I mean, for example, in that one, I understand that if you were to follow the Syracuse codicil, you would. Well, that's the, that's what I do. I always start at the best beginning because you're a completionist or a completist. Well, or but that, that's why always, the Flopass is a great example because they have too much of a back. No, I'm totally agreeing. Yeah, too much. No, long. no, I'm totally. You can't ask and anyone. It's, too, to it's just, it's just too much. Yeah, and it, and it's also too, it's also too far back in time because it's not like the shows are topical, but there is a little bit of like uh, historical context surrounding them, and as you become more distant from it, you're never going to get quite the same experience. You know what I mean? And that yes, correct. And they've been around long enough that a reference to West Duty or Danny Trejo or Nicholas Cage, like it, it's different at the time they did it. Like dipping into a show where they talk about Nicholas Cage is going to feel really different over fifteen years. Like, is this like trouble with the castle time? You know, is this like you know whatever? Um, I totally agree. Ah, uh, best first favorite. It's hard. Then this one, like, so, so, and on the one hand, it's a great example because no, don't start at the beginning. The one, a lot of the ones you know are amongst my favorites. I mean, some of the I love bits in a lot of them, but to get to your point, Bullet to the Head might be a favorite and a first. Stolen with the Nicolas Cage one is another. Am I allowed to look at their episode list? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised you're not you're not saying bullet to the head is best. What do you what do you have in mind for best if not bullet to the head? I know you really well, like I'm not, it. I'm it's not easy. saving I'm not saving it for anything. To me, these are all like you know Velcro and felt, and I can just move them around like index cards. Uh, but because the thing is, I don't well, I hadn't prepared for this, right? So I don't have like the the full list like I would normally do. I would make a spreadsheet. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, this, and, I mean, that's, that's that. the thing. In, in, in preparing for this episode, like you can't. What are you going to do? Review all several hundred episodes? There's just no way. But can I can, let me get one thing out of the way and then throw it back to you. And I, I I think this is exactly. I feel like this is exactly what you were talking about at the top. Um, there's a funny thing though when you do f- best first episode of something, and like if this is a needle that you will not always want to or be able to thread, because this involves how you feel you know about that podcast let's say how you feel about like a lot of episodes like you have you have you have like strong positive feelings about these folks you know and they feel like your pair of pals and right but it's a it's a tall order to tell send somebody to whatever 15 years of a podcast so you got to start somewhere right well sometimes you can thread this incredible needle where like you know the show Obviously, you know yourself, or you think you know yourself. You know the show, but you also know your friend. And you're sometimes able to give them the the real beauty to me, and you see me do this half a dozen times at least. You personally probably seen me do this half a dozen times. You know it's a really good first episode of, what's the one that starts with the Werner Herzog chocolate, I'm a bad little boy? Is that bullet to the head? (laughs) No way I'm going to remember. That's part of the problem with the Flophouse. If you look at the movie titles and the episode number, you're like, was this the one where they did the whatever? And there's just no way to know because there's usually no connection between the movie and the bits. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely not. I mean, to to be watching, I don't even, I guess it was, a, was it's not Bullet to the Head where they did Tantan. What was Tantan in? I don't, I don't, that's the thing. I don't remember. But like you would never, you would say, oh, it must be that episode where they did Tantan. I don't think they did Tantan. It's just they came up with this amazing bit about the old Southern, Southern woman <laughs> who loves Tantan. Um, so here's the thing. Here's the needle. And this is the beauty is like, if you get it right, 
you can give somebody a first episode that you do think is very, very good and is very entertaining. Uh, I, I won't go, I won't go on a full jag here, but other things include like, how much do you need to know about this before you go in? It's really nice to give somebody an episode where they don't have to have watched something else first. Or in my case, sometimes where I'll just say to somebody, Hey, just so you know, I don't know. I can't think of an example, but hey, just so you know, these two used to be on a show together in the 90s, so it's kind of funny that they're here or whatever, right? You give somebody some context for what, why this is, why it was done this way. But the best thing is when you can give them an episode that's not only like one of your favorites and a good starter, but like you can actually say to that person, here's what I can say to you. Um, if you hate the first 10 minutes of this, this may not be for you. If you're intrigued by the first 10 minutes of this, or you're like, what is happening? Oh my God, you have so much waiting for you. I think that's one, the one thing I wanted to say tonight is it's so wonderful to be able to thread that needle of the first one also being one that will, and I, I'm not even being, I'm not being cynical. I'm, I think it's really valuable for somebody to have an opportunity to go, oh, a phrase I learned from Adam many years ago on You Look Nice Today that everybody uses now. It's not for me. I get it, or I don't get it, or whatever, but yeah, that's not for me. Like for a long time, The Walking Dead, mm, that's not for me. But if you go to that one that starts with the Werner Herzog, I'm a bad little boy with, with, with the chocolate, it's, it sounds really bad. <laughs> the recording's bad. But like, if you don't love Stuart badly impersonating Werner Herzog and then Elliot joining in, you know, um, you know, cool, ra- cool, radical dude. You know, if you don't like that, this may not be your thing. That's the beautiful needle to thread. You. I may not know, because you, you have much deeper catalog on this. Well, than so I, do, but I, had, I found this one difficult. Um, actually, I found what the part that I found the most difficult was best. So let's start. Let's start with best. Yeah, because like, what's the yardstick? Right. Yeah. It's like, like the, one way to put it be like, this is the most flop house episode. Right. Like house. this is the, that. That's the problem, because like, First of all, there's so many episodes, it's hard to even remember what was in them. But best episode is going to be the one where there's like no bad parts. Like it's got a bunch of good parts and it holds together well. And like the movie works and everyone's <laughs> in good spirits and they have funny bits. And But there's a little bit of <laughs> depressing Dan, right? Like it's, well, well it, start, it starts for some reason. Like I think with Bullet Head, it starts for some reason still with like 15 seconds of silence for no reason. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, no. this is the one where Dan, I don't want to say this. Like this is the it's an amazing funny episode, but it begins with Dan saying that he's going through a divorce and he doesn't want anyone to <laughs> yes. make fun of him. That's in one of my favorites. I don't remember which. But yeah, but so for best, I'm trying to look for one where like it all comes together. And honestly, I can't think of a single one. And so I'm as I'm, an episode, I'm, yeah. I'm inclined to lean towards Bolt to the Head just because you keep talking about it, so it's fresh in my mind. And I feel I, and I say, you know what, Bolt to the Head really didn't have any really bad everybody's success everybody is successful you know what it is also john everybody's successful at their roles like elliot is very elliot but he's not too much elliot like sometimes Elliot can be a little too much elliot like i can be too much me Uh, you know i'm that guy i'm i'm griffin i'm always if you're on a podcast named griffin i'm that character i'm 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 the elliot character on almost everything that i do but like there's plenty of room for people to move around and i told you before one of my all-time favorite line readings on that whole show is when everybody's fighting with each other, blah, blah, blah. And you remember what Dan says? It, it's so quiet. Dan goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is just alone. Just come here. And just the way, the quiet way he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's still so funny to me. Now, when you go back and listen to that, 
after you've heard a bunch of podcasts, you're going to enjoy that episode so much more. But that's one where you're like, I don't even know what's happening here, but I'm having so much fun. I'm here for the ride. Yeah, so that's my best placeholder, simply because I can't think of anything mm-hmm. better, and it is a very So we got a episode. B. Yeah. Um, we got a placeholder B. Favorite is pretty easy, because you just favorite is like, which one gives you the most warm fuzzies? And my favorite, honestly, it's an episode that I can remember almost nothing about, except for the one part that is probably my Port favorite part time. of of the Port entire podcast. You're never going to guess what? it unless you have a really good memory, which you don't. It's not Port Hall of Time. Is it, is it an oldie? Yeah, it's an old one. I don't, I don't, can't, don't, what is it? I'm trying to look up the episode. Hang on. So I can tell you. And so I can put mm-hmm. it in the notes. Um, but yeah, this is, this is me picking an episode purely based on a single thing that happened in the episode, which had nothing to do with the movie or anything else in typical fashion. It's episode number 31. The movie was Swing Vote. Tell me you have no memory of this. Like, it's like, what are you even talking about? 31 Swing Vote? Is it, is it, but it's it's an Elliot episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason it is my favorite. Uh, and again, <laughs> I'm not saying it's the best. And it's not. It sounds the, like it was recorded in a toilet. <laughs> and it's definitely not the first one you should listen to. And and I'm right. not even going to vouch for the whole rest of the episode except for this one segment because this one segment tickled me so much and basically like essentially cemented oh my, God, I can't my wait love to hear. of this podcast. Okay. Um, is, and there's a wiki page for it, is the Chopin Goatables section. <laughs> that was so funny. Instead of potent potables, right? Yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a, a, dumb, a dumb gag. That, How did that, that in so Elliot? Fashion, How did he get to that? One of the hosts misunderstood another one. It happens all the time because they have different accents <laughs> so and they're stupid. talking stupid. It's so stupid, John. Yeah. Chopin Goatables. Uh, I, I never even wanted to say that phrase to anybody because I, I always wanted someone who was listening to the podcast to get to hear that themselves organically, but that's never going to happen because it's episode 31. Right, right. It's like learning the wizard's, learning the wizard's true name. Yeah, like no one's because I've ruined it. Like that's, I mean, you'll never, you'll never get the delight that I got when no, that I, happened. No, I just, well, I mean, I partly disagree. I think there's still room for that. And as the originator, as the, mm-hmm. the proud, uh, uh, constantly reiterating my own invention or my own involvement of this, uh, you know, in the podcast, the, the Flophouse podcast lore, as the originator of words sound like each other and the old words sound like each other. <laughs> you bought them a domain name they've never used. That's right. Which mutated instantly into words sound that sound like other words. But the original one was words sound like each other. <laughs> the, cat- the categories are, mm, and then Elliot goes potpourri, notable quotables, potent potables, <laughs> potent rotables, scrotin potables, and chopent goatables. Show. <laughs> <laughs> Chopin goatables. <laughs> Can you repeat the category, Alex? No, I can't. <laughs> Pear pimples for hairy fish nuts. Why is that so funny? Chopin goatables. By the end, they're basically implying that it's that it's like a, a breakfast cereal. Mom, can I get Chopin goatables? <laughs> I think you've had enough Chopin goatables. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my favorite. It, and I think on the Flophouse, favorite is so outside the realm of like, I no know. one's going to say this I is I don't even best. know what that means. And I love this show. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And I don't know. I don't know what that would yeah. really mean. See also words that sound like other words. They have a section on the wiki for this. I know. I wrote that section. Like many people. <laughs> you wrote some of these? I did write some of these. Like many people with mental disabilities, I enjoy for some reason <laughs> rhyming words that the meanings are not connected to each other. You can't stop it. He's He's compulsive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listener John's letter from episode seventy-four. Yeah, who could that? Well, listening to a okay, this, sorry, um, something Elliot really, really enjoys. Often the floppers discussion devolves into listing words which sound alike. Okay, just so you all know, it's funnier than that sounds. 
listing words which sound alike to the delight and fury of the listeners. More broadly, the behavior falls into the, quote, naming things related to other things phenomenon. New paragraph. This bit originated in episode 74, Valentine's Day, in a letter from listener John, who wrote, while listening to a Flophouse episode last year, it occurred to me that the domain wordssoundlikeeachother.com is available and may be a more appropriate home for your show. Later, a super fan purchased the domain, configuring it to redirect to the Flophouse's blog. I'm not going to look at changes on this, but I am kind of curious. <laughs> Said super fan. Oh, come. Oh, oh, John. Okay, hang on. Final paragraph. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This... This should be in your highlight reel. I'm not the only person who has edited this document. Well, I don't think it gives you that much cover. Later, a super fan purchased the domain, wordsoundlikeeachother.com, configuring it to redirect to the Flophouse's blog. Said superfan has subsequently let this domain expire, partially in protest of the fact that the original Peaches could never accurately... <laughs> never... Oh my God, this is so you. Could never accurately recall or convey the actual joke that the domain name embodied, much like this very wiki page. Which, if you look at the title of this wiki page, it is words that sound like other words. Yeah, words sound alike, I thought it was. No, no, you're so close. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Uh, and What's then first? First for Flophouse. This is tough, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to se- seem to go counter to my previous thing of saying, look, you can't ask someone to start from one. It's just too much, right? But I'm going to say yeah. 14, Bratz. And not because I expect someone oh, to start. Oh, that's so good. Not because I expect people to start to start at 14 and then do 15, 16. I say once you do Bratz, feel free to like skip forward, make huge leaps in time. But Bratz, I feel like, gives you a foundation. A foundation in early Flophouse. Yeah. And you shouldn't skip too yeah. far. Because you do want to get some of the foundational stuff. You do want to learn about Ding Dong Gate. You don't want to learn about it on the street. You want to learn about it in real time as Are it happens. Are you talking about that movie Castle Freak by Stuart Gordon where that guy represented Ding Dong off? Or did he, right? There's so, so much foundational <laughs> stuff that happens super early. And so, but I like, right. if you can't do episode one, which about, I think well, you, no, you honestly Freak. probably should. Am shouldn't. I thinking of Castle Freak? <laughs> yeah. Go, go, for, go for number 14, Bratz. Uh, so that's oh, my first. so good. Podcast. It's tough. The flop house is, is a challenge, uh, you know, and honestly, my, my and it's maybe is not like, for you. Like, it's OK if it's not for you. Yeah. And if it is for you, you should actually start at one and do the whole thing. Like, it's it's well worth your time if it's if this is the type of thing you like. But if this is if you're not sure if this is for you or if you just want to dip your toe, start with 14. That's my recommended first. Is your next suggestion a non podcast? Uh, for the BFF? Okay. Yes. And obviously you probably you can't really participate in this one, but I think it's a good example and I'll explain to you why so at least you can understand. No, no, I'm 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 actually really curious because they're non-contiguous, right? Yeah. So the the next BFF yeah. is Well, let me finish. Let me do just one quick thing. Wait, I'll say what's funny. The exception of the not really quick. How much blank check have you listened to? Uh Some, maybe you like listen to three Star episodes? Wars episodes? But listening to the Star Wars episodes. I think I listened to one or two Star Wars and a Robocop. Oh my god. Like all, like all of the great movies, this begins with the word on screen, RoboCop. He puts the gun in his leg. RoboCop. Game changed. Okay, here's the thing. Blank Check Podcast. I, I like it a lot. And, I, well, you know, it's a, it's a show where they talk about a director who had great initial success and then was given a blank check to do something with a passion project. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. And it's really fun. Like right now they're doing Fincher. and. You know, I, I don't, I don't like have to like the movie. I mean, like, like when they did John Carpenter, there's so many John Carpenter movies. I don't know. I love the John Carpenter series though. Like, cause they had such good guests. Emily Yoshida was on like so many great guests. 
They get the craziest guests. You know, they got Jonah from Veep. He's friends with Griffin. He was on. You know, you know the you know the guy the guy from um, uh, Severance who really wants the uh, the party the the black guy with the glasses. Yep. He was on an episode. Here's the thing, though. Blank check is so easy to get into because, like, I think it's so easy to go like, oh, I really like David Fincher, so I'll go back and start with. Uh, Seven, I guess. I don't know. Like for fight, like you know, I like John Carpenter, or I like whatever. You don't have to like it, but it's so great that you could say, "Hey, if there's a director you like, they may have done it." But that's that's a trick. That's a MacGuffin. I I want you to find out if Blank Check and its lore. It has a lot of lore. So much lore. I mean, their fandom is fandom page is crazy. Like Mabim Bam, there's a lot of to quote the great Griffin Newman, a lot of business. So much business. Um, but here's the thing that show started, I think it was just unnamed and it was these two guys who knew each other, I think from Twitter, Griffin Newman and, um, David, uh, oh my God, (laughs) I'm forgetting David's name, David from the Atlantic, David Sims. And they started a podcast. They said, okay, we're going to do a podcast and we're going to talk about the Phantom Menace. Like episode zero. Okay. We're coming in. We're gonna talk about the Phantom Menace. Now, we're going to say this one time, so like really listen well. From now on, we are going to act like The Phantom Menace is the only Star Wars movie that has ever existed. No one is allowed to make reference to it. They don't exist on this show. This is the only Star Wars. It sounds so dumb. It sounds so dumb. And in fact, we're going to dock you points if you unintentionally like mention Kit Fisto when we're talking about Phantom Menace. Or, you know, you know, a better example, I guess. You know, there's, Han Solo is not in The Phantom Menace, and that's the only Star Wars. And that's how the show started. The show started. And then it became so much business. But, like, the, the thing that makes the blank check the blank check, and I guess I'm also just at this point recommending y'all check out blank check, is that once they do that, they, they dig into it. They do, like, so many episodes about The Phantom Menace. They have guests on. Um, Chris Gethard, of course, on the Kit Fisto, on Kit Fisto, is one of the greatest things ever. He loves Kit Fisto get more of him on screen. And then finally, of course, and they did merchandise, all the Griffins, Griffins toys that he has of these different. And then finally at the end, they, you know, they do the performance review. You talk about who is the best cast and you did. And already this is all becoming like what the show is so many years ago. And then like, mm, okay, I guess we'll also do, what's the next one called? Uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. So, okay. Same rules. Attack of the Clones is the only Star Wars. And it really works. But like they started with that. What I'm trying to say to you guys as as listeners and as enthusiasts and people who make things, they let the show figure out what it was and you get to be there for it. So if you really enjoy them, I got to say their episode about Zodiac was fantastic. Just both of them are really in the in the tank for Zodiac like like I am. I mean, I think at one point David said every scene in this movie is the best scene in this movie. Like I I'm I'm a fanatic about Zodiac. And I, I could say that's actually a, it's not a representative episode because they both are so unhinged about how much they love it. But, and then if you like that, you could go back and start at the first Fincher movie or you could go back and start at the very beginning and hear them talk about the only Star Wars movie that ever came out, Phantom Menace. And that whole long drawn out thing I'm telling you is a podcast is so special. It's so different because like, it's the phrase I used to use 
well, you've probably heard me say, I probably said this to you too. It's not, this is not a little world podcast. You look nice today is a little world podcast. Roderick on the line is a little world podcast. Like, what does that mean? Well, this is our little world. Me and, me and Roderick or me and Scott and Adam. And like, we, we never talked about this expressly, but I always believe we have to be judicious about how much of the outside world is allowed into our little world. And it has to serve what we're doing here in our little world. And it must not, and I feel like, Flophouse is pretty great about that in weird ways. Flophouse can go like almost anywhere, but it's rarely something where they're suddenly going to talk a lot about politics. Not that that's good, bad, or indifferent, but like you understand their little world. Do you understand their Weltanschauung? And like that is so powerful in podcasts, and you can get it in other places. Certainly, a lot of fandom. We'll probably talk about Doctor Who in a minute, but like there's just there's something so special about going. Oh, I really like this little world that is now a very big world. Like, there, when you, for the first time you, it's in the first episode, the first time that Griffin says that he didn't know that David Sims grew up in England. That's the, he says it in the first episode. It's in so many episodes. They finally add the Big Ben chimes. At a certain point, David's had it. They retire it. They raise, on, on Wiki page, you'll see this. They raise the jersey up to the ceiling, and then they brought it back. And to be there for the bit and the bit about the bit, and it's like, not everybody can do that, but it's so satisfying. And podcasts do that in a way that almost nothing else can. Thank you for listening. This has been podcasting. Is it for you? <laughs> My BFF. Yeah, I think uh, the Flophouse actually does allow, allow a surprising amount of the world in at various points, but it's so long. Well, they, they do, but as soon as it's, it's like the, in, when their Iron Dome receives a missile, like it, it so quickly gets turned into something completely. It's almost like the daughter in everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The way that the, the outside world affects her is like, one reason I love that movie and I love her character so much is she's so blasé about the stuff that everybody is really dramatic about because she's so powerful that it doesn't matter. And she could turn anything into a bouquet of flowers or what's almost like an anime kind of thing. And I feel like with, with when Elliot's there, and of course Elliot's going to be the first one to say something, he's the me character, and immediately turns it into something stupid. And then it becomes part of their world. And then Stuart goes, okay, we got to get back to going through the movie. <laughs> do you know what I mean by little world, John? I do. I do know what you mean. I think uh, uh, You Look Nice Today is probably the best example. Yeah, yeah. It's very much a little world. I mean, you know, and, and that's why, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I said this to Billy. Billy loves, uh, Billy loves a lot of things from New Zealand. I think Billy's favorite band is the Beths. Billy's favorite podcast is with David Ferrier, the guy who did Tickled. And he has uh, a really funny, and he's, he's so goddamn funny and weird. He's, he's really into trying to feed animals and like wild animals. And he tries to feed a squirrel and the squirrel bites him, which is pretty funny. The guy who did Tickled, right? He gets bitten by a squirrel and, and he's telling the story about this. But then that turns into now David Ferrier, who's from, I think, Auckland or Wellington, has to go navigate the U.S. healthcare system because he might have gotten rabies from a squirrel. And it becomes like a whole thing that's so funny. Well, now here's the problem. He has a podcast on a network. And this is one of those networks that's so stupid about the way they do this. When Billy, Billy was like, oh, you, you should really go listen to this one particular episode. I was like, okay, I'll go get it. I'm going through Overcast. I can't find it anywhere. Well, it's because it's part of the Armchair Expert Network. Uh, Kristen Bell's weird husband. And they've done this dumb thing where they all, like all they have publicly is a master feed. 
you like it's very difficult to like find specific episodes. The flop house, you can go in and find whatever you want. And then overcast, you can like cut it up however you want. But it's super annoying. And then on top of it all, last week, Billy's like, Oh my God, you're not gonna believe what happened. And I was like, No, no, what? I was just listening to Flightless Bird. And and Dax Shepard was the guest, which is death. It's death. Like, I just don't think he's funny. It's fine. I'm glad he did. <clears throat> I loved him in Idiocracy. I think his wife's a genius. I'm sure he's a nice person. But I hate, I often, not hate, I often really dislike when guests are on the show. If it breaks up the little world, you know, and this happens on Blank Check because they land big, big guests on Blank Check. Like, for, I mean, like, uh, one that comes to mind is, well, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda has been on Bim Bam. One that comes to mind is, um, what's her name, Rachel? What's her head, the girl from West Side Story? Was on an episode of Blank Check. And you know what? She doesn't listen to the show, which is fine. But now the little world broke a little bit. Because there's somebody in there. We're gonna, they're going to have to make her feel welcome and be unusually solicitous toward her. Whereas, if Chris Gethard is on Blank Check, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. Al Madrigal on like, you know, on Flophouse, or like somebody who comes into the world, Jason Manzukis on almost anything. Jason Manzukis is such a good guest for almost anything. He will make it funny. He will make it better, and he won't make it all about him, except insofar as he is now a character who appears in the little world. And that's the thing. If you come in and go like, hey, it's me. I'm the guy who runs the network. How's it going, New Zealand guy? He's all cut now. You know, he's all ripped. Don't, you're going to break it. You're going to crush the bunny and you're going to bring stuff into the world, little world that doesn't belong there. And now there's no room for the stuff that I love, which is my friends. I want my podcast friends to be the one that are the focus, not to be somebody who, you know, has a new show on Hulu. How do you feel about guests on podcasts you love? I mostly agree with you. Like, I definitely, I definitely see the dynamic. When does it work? When does it not? Yeah, like I, I definitely see that dynamic. Like the, the the only thing the the counter to that I think is sometimes there is a guest that is that doesn't listen to the show and would seem to mess up the little world thing. But because one or more of the people on the show are super into this person and it's a good get, you're happy for the, your friends. Your, yeah. Your... Especially if they have some kind of relationship that then the other person can kind of like go, Oh, you know, now it's sort of like when we do our special, you know, annual specials and it's fun for like your, our relationship, your relationship with Roderick is kind of through me in some ways. And it's just funny to watch you two interact with knowledge of each other. But like, that's why we pick the people we pick. You know who we had for a guest one time on our show? We had Dan McCoy from the Flophouse. Because boy, do I, he, he listens to this program, or at least he used to. And I am adamant about the Flophouse. That's different. That's special. That's uh, funny. It it, I know his brother, and he's exactly like his brother. See, so. <laughs> that's how it all started, right? Yeah. Now, what about video games, John? Yeah, this is one one video game that I think is really good for best for his favorite. And unfortunately, uh, Merlin can't really participate because he hasn't played these. But I think it's a good example and it's instructive. So it's the, the Legend of Zelda video game series, which there is it a is, chronology. That, was that a launch day game on NES? Uh, no, I don't think so. Mario um, was, though, right? Yeah, I think no, I think so. Yeah. Uh, although I say Mario, which is a whole other thing. So the. The Legend of Zelda games, like it was one game and then eventually becomes a franchise because that one game was really good and popular and they, they try to make a franchise out of it. And like kind of retroactively, it's super duper retcon, retroactively try to weave together some kind of sensible idea from the fact that they made a bunch of games. They, they basically made it into a franchise like, oh, so you like this first game? Let's make another one that's similar, another one that's similar, another one that's similar. And we'll give them all the same title, but with a colon and then a subtitle. And then people, you know, fans would ask, 
is there like continuity? Like, is this is this the same character? No, 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 it's not the same character. Well, is it? I mean, the the the, the question would be like, is this actually a story? Yeah, like, is this so? Is this a reincarnation of the character? And if it is, does this game become before or after like, the what previous is, like, what one? Is, what does he know? Has he learned this yet? Right, like, the kind right. of questions like, you ask in time like, travel. No, he doesn't. Fiction. He doesn't know anything. But it's there's a mythology. But then people would ask like, well, so what is the chronology? How what is the time period between game one and game two? Or does game two actually take place earlier than game one? And like, and so Nintendo has had to over the years. Uh, you know, bend over backwards to try to explain stuff. They actually did put out official books and said, look, okay, all right, as of where we are right now, here is the like, official like Legend a, of Zelda like timeline. establishing establishing canon. Right, and the, the canon is nonsensical. <laughs> like, it's got forking paths, <laughs> right? It doesn't, and it's all retroactive, so like, so you feel for them, right? Because they just want to make good video games, so then they're trying to weave them together, and like, some things make sense, but anyway. So, this is the thing where when I, when I go for first, it's not like you need to start at the beginning to understand the chronology, because look, you're not going to understand the chronology no matter what. Like, if you play all these games and don't see the super secret timeline that they came up with retroactively a few years ago, you would never derive it yourself. You would get some hints. Like, maybe, oh, to that point, though, you also, you wouldn't, it sounds silly to say this on top of that, but given how much we want to find a story in things and say things like every Pixar movie takes place, the kind of stuff in the same mm-hmm. universe, you know what I mean? The kind of stuff we do to like try and connect dots on something. Um, it's also not going to um, problematize or diminish your enjoyment of a given game if you don't know where it fits in some, right. some and, notional timeline. And for canon. years, fans had been doing their own headcanon for how I just want to make them jump around and get yeah, coins. Which is part of the fun. <laughs> like you, like There are some clear things in a game of like, oh, I can definitely tell this game takes place before or after that game because of things in the game, right? But beyond that, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, but how does it all fit together? And so fans would come up. It's almost more fun to come up. With and doesn't he own. die and come back sometimes? Uh, or like, or like, doesn't he like regenerate kind no of? No spoilers. <laughs> okay. Okay. But anyway, uh, the point is that's not that important. Like you can, you can basically hop in anywhere. So the, picking the first for Legend of Zelda series is a different uh, task because you're kind of, it's kind of more like what you were talking about of like, look, uh, oh, right. is, is there something is there some foundational knowledge kind of like with brats, like some sort of foundation you need to lay to properly appreciate later games? And also, mm-hmm. is there one with your point of like, is there one that you should yeah, play th- to let, to this, let you is know this for you? Yeah. To yeah. let you know whether you like this kind of game or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the right. final thing that I'm picking for my first game uh, in, in the, the Zelda series is there is a game that I think is probably the best game. But to truly appreciate the game that is the best and get all the best nut meat out of the best game, you really have to play the first one first, uh, and I'll explain why. So, for first, but you're doing you're doing the cognitive. You're a phrase I've used is you know one thing a nice thing that you can do for people you care about is to help share a cognitive load. You know what I mean? Like like and are you did this with helping me with like deciding what TV to get and setting up my PlayStation? I mean, there's things where like <clears throat> you want a rabbi, you want a sherpa. You want somebody who can like take the cognitive load off of you. The kind of person who can say these three commands in Photoshop, like work on unsharp mask, you know, and like learn a little bit about layers. You don't need to learn about embossing right now. I always use Photoshop as that example, or, or Unix would be the other example. You don't have to read the whole O'Reilly book. You do need to load your own CD and LS and stuff like that, right? Like, you know what I mean though? The cognitive load. In that case, you say, hey, just so you know, I'm sorry, I'm over explaining this, but I think that's such a valuable thing is to like help guide to guide like you would with a little kid, help guide them to the point where they get to enter the maze 
and you say like, I think this is something you'd like based on what you know, watch out for this thing. It's kind of fun, right? Isn't that what you're doing? You're not showing them how to solve the maze. You're showing them where the entrance to the, to the good maze is. Yeah. And I guess there's one more thing related to video games that is not a factor for other things, which is, uh, it's kind of like, uh, recommending someone watch a black and white movie. It's like, Oh, the, the, the technology was different then. And I, you know, a lot of people handing somebody a bucket of okra. Yeah. And so like years ago, my, my suggested first game would be different, but now time has moved on to the point where I feel like, Oh, that recommended first game is probably a little bit too dated looking now interesting so you need to update it that's so interesting and and, and again that doesn't really happen with most things but the best example i can give is like like silent movies versus black and white versus color like when you cross those boundaries if if there was if there was some franchise lasted it would be difficult for you to recommend as first like a silent movie because you just know that's not what people think of as movies now right well i mean also you could just talk about something as simple as bewitched like where you go, like I mean, I know it's a silly example, but it shows that like begin in co- begin in black and white mm-hmm. and, be- and become color. It's it is like a, I, I've seen this with young people, including my own young person. You, what you said is accurate, which is sometimes that look of something is very off putting and feels like not for me. One of my things I rail on about about Shakespeare, really, which I guess I'm on a little little bit of a jag about. Alex and I talked about Shakespeare a ton today, and without trying, you know, I'm not trying to be like a jerk about it, but I was like, I, y'all know that like. The Shakespeare they jammed into your face, making you read, not see, but read Romeo and Juliet when you're 14. Oh, my God. Romeo and Juliet is not a play for 14-year-olds, not because it's got bad stuff in it, but because it's one of the tragedies, and there's no way you can really appreciate the tragedies until you're a little older. You don't care about Romeo and Juliet because they have a crush on it. You care about them because you hate to see these young people die because of a misunderstanding. Right. That's that's the crushing part that the, the, the Montagues and the Capulets are like a whole thing. And Mercutio is dead. And like but like it's you have to. And that's why I'm saying to Alex, like, that's why I think Henry V is such a good first everything Shakespeare movie. It's something where like it's a good movie, like many of the Shakespeare movies. It's a good movie. But it also reminds you this does not have to be a something stiff that feels like a bucket of okra. Yeah. And you don't want someone to turn away because of that. Like, oh, they bounced off you know, like the, the whole thing. So, so let's review. You've got best, best, best first favorite. There were five, right? What were the other, what were the other factors? Like, uh, does it need an update was one. What are your other well, factors? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just picking the first now. And so like my, my years ago, first, my first, okay. my first would have been Ocarina of Time, which is a very good uh, entry in the series, which laid wait, wait, a later place? foundation for, it, okay. it laid a, a foundation for lots of games that followed it. But right now the graphics are a little bit too dated for most people, even in the remakes. And so, and also because the game has moved on so much since then, there's been new foundations being laid that I would not recommend that as the first. My first I would recommend now is the high definition remaster of Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess is kind of like Ocarina of Time Turbo, where let's do Ocarina of Time again, but more. Uh, and so it is a little bit more modern and is a little bit more more. And it, it uh, you can don't you say get... without spoiling what you're getting, what the game's thing is and what you're getting more of. Uh, a certain kind of adventure, a certain kind of mechanic. It's kind of like, uh, you know how uh, how uh, The Force Awakens uh, did many of the same kind of like story beats as uh, A New Hope, right? Kind of kind of rhymes with... Uh, yeah, and like it's some similar stuff, but still its own thing. Well, th- this is even more than that. It's like very structurally similar, uh, hitting a lot of the same beats, but it definitely does its own thing as well. Um, and the thing mm-hmm. is, the foundation laid by Ocarina is less relevant now because of what I'm going to say is 
the best and also my favorite Zelda game, which is the new foundation that was laid several years ago, which mm-hmm. is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That, that is, is such a gorgeous. That, that is, is a new a foundation, game. which is the open we have world. The book. Wait, I got that book with like how to do stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that game is just extraordinary. I, I could just wander around in that game. Yeah, and that that is just it's just a different it's just a different kind of game. In the same way that Ocarina of Time was kind of a different kind of game than the earlier foundation, which was laid by the original and maybe like to the past. Um, so I would say first Twilight Princess, uh, uh, favorite and best Breath of the Wild. And I'm not picking uh, Tears of the Kingdom for a very important reason. I'm not sure how much you have followed the Tears of the Kingdom stuff. Tears of the Kingdom was an amazing Is game. Is that the, but they, the recent one? Yeah, but there's two reasons mm-hmm. I'm not picking it as best or favorite. Um, and they're they're the same reason. Basically, it the 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 sense of discovery of Breath of the Wild of this giant new world, the giant open world. Uh, Certainly isn't going to be replicated by its sequel, but definitely isn't replicated because the sequel takes place essentially in the same place. I know there's the whole underworld and it's a whole big thing, but it kind of takes place in the same place. But the most important one is the big mechanic in in Tears of the Kingdom was this sort of building mechanic where you can assemble devices from pieces. And the mechanic is amazing and it's super fun and it's great and I love it. And it's not really Zelda to me. That, That sounds a little bit like Minecraft. Right, exactly. Like, no, I, there's uh, no, maybe not precisely Minecraft, but the kind of thing where you take two things and make a third thing. Yeah, like, and it's it, it is it is a great gameplay thing, and you can say, well, it wasn't Zelda before, but it is. But it's now, not Zelda. I, but it's not Zelda. I don't. Yeah. It doesn't feel like Zelda. It's kind of like if you put something in an Indiana Jones movie that doesn't feel like Indiana Jones, even if it's great and you they love did. it. Oh, they did. Oh yeah, my goodness, but, they did. But but like, Wolf. imagine if imagine if they did, but it was really good. But it's still not, like, here, here's what it comes down to: like the Zelda games are all about exploration right of like just exploring and being able to, and to tackle challenges with your wits and figure out how to approach problems and once you allow people to essentially build things legend of zelda is not me building a giant laser wielding robot and watching it go kill a dragon for me legend of zelda is me fig- <laughs> me figuring out how to kill the dragon with what i have available on my wits and you can say well what you have available to yourself is building material so you're kind of doing it. i'm like no no like well, i know first you got you got to punch the tree and you make a bench yeah you know? i know yeah exactly i know it's fun to do that and i enjoy it as well it just doesn't feel like zelda not that i think tears of the kingdom is bad i think it's great it's, i it's think that's a nice there, that's but, a nice distinction yeah but uh but yeah that's why i would say so i'm gonna say uh, wait so where are we at this point well you you have your first yeah yeah that's and best and favorite of both breath of the wild best and favorite of breath of the wild and first is twilight princess twilight princess yeah and it's and it's a weird one because like people are gonna think oh that means you don't like tears of the kingdom i love it i thought it was great have like hundreds of hours into it i've done so much stuff but it's not my it's not the best it's not my favorite and it shouldn't be your first hmm i find myself now writing down other kinds of things i want to do this for Edgar Wright movies, Monster Factory. There's so many things like this where I'd love to be able to say. Let's pick one more to wrap up the show. Of the three remaining, which of the one more do you want to do? I think we go. Oh, I well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the internet. I remember there's Doctor Who, and Doctor Who, Star Wars, and Marvel movies are the three. Pick one of those. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I, I might maybe this is. I don't know if it's useful. Here's what I would say. So like. See, uh, Star Wars seems like a kettle of fish. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But like, <laughs> I, I, I would love, I actually would, I would kind of love to do Doctor Who, except it is necessarily going to reveal how little I actually know about a lot of stuff on Doctor Who. And then Marvel, I don't know. I mean, so like, so your friend says, what's the deal with Marvel? And you go, it's really cool. It's this big world with all these superheroes and it's based in real cities. I mean, what, how, how do you pitch this to people? I, one of the pitches I make is like, I'm a Marvel guy. I've always been a Marvel guy. Like when I was a little kid, I still liked, you know, I loved Batman. I was Batman for kindergarten and kindergarten. 
in um you know in kindergarten. Um, but DC's world is really it's different and it's kind of made up. They've got Metropolis and Gotham City. One of the neat things with Marvel is especially the the silver, which called the silver era, whenever like you know when Fantastic Four started, is like this takes place in New York. This takes place in Chicago. Like this takes place. Well, then you get to Segovia, which is a different thing. But like, and it's written by old Jewish guys, some of whom lost family in the Holocaust, but all of whom really felt like the little guy at some point in their life. And they did something so special all along with F and Stanley. But like, it's so difficult in retrospect to appreciate what happened at Marvel between whatever it was, 61, 63. But you got so many of the things. I'm not even getting into the whole like IP thing, but like, how do you get people excited about Thor? Thor, how do you get anybody excited about? Well, the thing is on earth, Thor appears as this guy who has a disability. Instead of having a hammer, he has a cane and that's how he gets around. Or you got Daredevil, another guy with a cane. Daredevil does not have sight, but his other senses are, you get into, let's do two, well, you get Spider-Man. What do you say about Spider-Man? Spider-Man, I've seen to my kid over and over. The thing about Spider-Man, it doesn't have to be Peter Parker, but to be Spider-Man, it really helps for him to be poor it helps for him, like, like just endlessly needing money, for him to constantly be stressed out by all the things he's doing, but to also feel so guilty about all the things he's not doing. That's Peter Parker. I mean, and Peter, like, you know, what people like to say, like, Clark Kent is the alter ego to Superman, not the other way around. But Fantastic Four, you've got these people where this, like, kind of nuclear age thing happens to them and screws up their life, and now Ben Grimm is a monster. A special one to me to this day is the X-Men. Because X-Men is a story about racism and discrimination and all of the isms where we single people out for being different from how everybody else is, and then we feel like they're a threat, and all they want to do is help or usually just be left alone. Not every mutant is at Savior's school. There's a hand, there's X-Men, there's X-Force, there's whatever. But like in the classic days, and especially in 75 when they did you know the reboot of it, like there's something special to me about these people. Like when you watch the X-Men movie, and you see how much Rogue, played by Anna Paquin, really wants to be able to kiss her boyfriend and like be intimate with him, but she can't because she's a mutant. And touching him, there's a pretty good chance she will harm or kill him just by touching him. And she has to live with that. Magneto, we don't need to go into all of Magneto's backstory. And again, I'm not saying you don't have to go to X-Men number one. It was still very much figuring out what it is. You know what? Giant Size X-Men number one, 1975, Chris Claremont. Like that, that can change your game because it really plugs you in. It's like the 11th hour in that it plugs you into what this thing is. But in all those instances, the pitch I want to make is not this will prepare you for the big purple guy in two movies. I don't care about that stuff. I want you to understand Steve Rogers wanted to give his life for America. It was, it was vital to him partly out of just raw patriotism, but also out of being the little guy. Steve Rogers really wanted to prove himself. He's a little skinny guy. They wouldn't let him in the army. They wouldn't let him fight in World War II. He would do anything to be able to do what he perceived as his duty. He protects the neighborhood. He protects his friends like Spider-Man. Right? Are you with me on this? So like the pitch I want to make on Marvel to somebody is not like, hey, this prepares you for Iron Man, which is probably the greatest superhero movie ever made. But it, I want you to understand like the state of mind that those people had you there's so much stuff you don't need to worry about 
in the Marvel Universe. Go to the Wikipedia fan page or the fandom page for Magneto. Go look at how many alternate universe versions of Magneto there are. It is astonishing. Go there, but then leave there. Because all you really need to know is this a guy, this is a guy whose whole family was in Auschwitz, his whole family died, and he has this ability to manipulate metal that he never asked for. And more than anything in the world, really, he wants to protect other mutants. But he's also really mad at the people who want to hurt mutants. That dynamic starts in the early 60s and still continues. At one point, he became the head of the X-Men. I don't know why I'm ranting. But it's hard to pitch to people. I want to like leave room in each person's life, each person's mind, for a pool where a lot of really interesting ideas might collect. And I think part of the role of BFF is to be able to save somebody like with Christopher Nolan, there, you know what? All this stuff, you don't really need to pay attention to that. You can, if you like it, it's fun. You can argue with people about it. What I really want you to do is like see these characters. The, the, there's one definition of the three acts of a play that I really like. Um, act one, um, you, th- you chase somebody up a tree. Act two, you throw apples at them. Act two. Act three, you see how they try to extricate themselves from the situation. My addendum to that is, and then you also learn a little bit about who they are and what they learned in that process. And you can't say to somebody, oh my God, Buffy is so good, go watch it. And this, I, I talked about this where I said to somebody, blah, 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 I was mentioning something, this one episode of Taskmaster. And this person goes, oh, they're all good episodes. And I said, I understand that. But ha- have you ever been recommended a TV show where somebody just goes, they're all good, go watch it? You, you're, you're, the cognitive load and the emotional load here is helping to prepare the path, prepare the way for somebody that could love this to figure out whether it fits in their life. And that's such a nice thing to do for somebody. You did it for me with the Flophouse, and I'll always be grateful. You made a pool for me. Didn't really hear you picking best first favorite in there. Of what? Marvel movies. Oh, Marvel movies. Um, I think the best one, I have not prepared for this, but um, I know. I think the best one, okay, I think the best one might be Iron Man for mm-hmm. all kinds of reasons. I mean, you kind of said that. I kind of, I, I I did hear the best. That would you say also favorite? Well, I mean, like, how do you talk about that? I mean, if you didn't grow up the way I grew up, which is a long time ago, you probably don't remember the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man. The what, 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 what? Yeah, the oldest son from The Sound of Music played Spider-Man on a probably CBS TV show. Do you, uh, John, do you remember the Captain America TV show? Not not when Captain America throws his mighty shield. Not the cartoon. Do you remember the seventies or eighties TV show? I know Captain of America, it, where he but wrote I a, think I only he know rode it a motorcycle and had a clear shield. I don't think I only know of it because of the internet age. I don't think I ever saw it. If you go and watch Iron Man, which I still I think is an extraordinary movie, totally nails the landing on that movie. And try to just remember that two years before that where Robert Downey Jr. was in life. He got hired for that. He got insured for that. He did that. And now today, it's so difficult to look at Iron Man comics that were drawn in the 60s and not see Robert Downey Jr. They really killed it. He's perfect at that. And he brought so much... I'm curious to see how they do this with Reed because I don't know how you make Reed not seem the spectrum way he usually is. But... Yeah, probably that would be the the best. My favorite might be Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, by the way, I wrote something down here. You know what this reminds me of, John? Um, it's probably not public. You probably need to go join up at the ATP site. But when you guys did your top laptops, top four laptops, mm-hmm. I won't spoil it for people, but it's a very, very funny. It's 
it is a very ATP episode of ATP. When you guys do something that's not talking about nanometer fabs, like it, it's such an opportunity. When you guys do like delivery pizza or whatever, you see so much of what you love and how you guys, I think this is related, John. The way you guys talk about Apple and technology, it, it's a special thing. It's not like other shows and it's a little world. Like I'm sitting here right now thinking, I hope this doesn't spill on my desk. Why? Because for the rest of my life, anytime there's a glass of water on my desk, I'm going to think about the, the time you warned Casey about it and he still spilled his water on Aaron's You're laptop. taking the wrong lesson from this. The lesson should be don't have it there. It's got to be on a different level. Yeah, why not just do that? Yeah. That's what you should be taking. Yes, that, that is the thing that happened at the podcast, but the, the lesson just you Just because take I from know it, the lesson doesn't mean I implement the lesson. Uh, all right, well. Yeah. But you guys did top four laptops and I won't spoil it except to say, you know, your two friends were not always in the Apple world. And Casey in particular, I forget your phrase, nostalgia pick? What was the word you used? Yeah, he had, he had a lot of nostalgia picks. He kept, he kept picking laptops that made you mad, um, including ThinkPads. But it was so goddamn funny. And each time he would talk about, he's like, oh, this thing was really bad. It weighed 14 pounds and the screen was the size of a airmail stamp. And, and oh, and the nipple would you know, get stuck on whatever. And you would just be like, That's, you're just picking that because you loved that when you were young. You're not picking that because that was the top laptop. But that's the thing. is like, is it the top four or is that one your favorite, right? Is the SE30 the best Mac ever made? I don't know. Moving from an SE with two floppy drives to an SE30 with a giant radius monitor that turns and a scanner, but sitting down with an SE30 with a hard drive absolutely transformed my use of Max. Is it the best one ever made? Close enough for government work for the time. Did you have an SE30? You did, right? I did. Do you remember how zippy that thing was? Do you remember how responsive the finder I was? Do. I picked it as the I picked it as the best Mac of all time in Macworld magazine when they did that thing where everyone No got kidding. Two votes. Okay. So yeah. I I'm not doing that to sound cool. There's some other Macs that I liked. I really liked my US70 G3. I really liked my Quadra. Uh, of course, I loved my SE, my, my SE that I could afford in 1988. Uh, I wrote my thesis on it. Like, it didn't have a hard drive. It was insane. Like, but that is a very sentimental pick for me. Now, this is going to sound ludicrous, but somebody comes to you and says, hey, what laptop should I get? Or what computer should I get? Would you say SE30 to them? Well, obviously not. That's insane. But that uh, cognitive dissonance in how you respond to me saying, go buy an SE30 is why we need BFF or BFF plus, which is like, it's an ability to say, well, it's one thing to say that, you know, a Abraham Lincoln was probably our greatest president because he got us through this impossible time. And yeah, there are a lot of things about him that didn't work out, but like best favorite and first can be really tricky because you don't have the same backstory as everybody else. Sometimes you need to explain Magneto to understand something but you can go and enjoy X-Men First Class without knowing everything about Magneto. I think you mean best first favorite, not best favorite first. Words sound like other things. The only one you've got left <laughs> here. The only one you got left is first. So favorite Guardians, uh, best uh, Captain, Iron Captain, Man. Captain America. Maybe first? Captain America. Why are you picking Captain, Captain America? America first? Um, the first Avenger. Um, is that what it's called? Um, yeah. Because I do think it's a very, very good movie. Um, and I feel like it's got, it lags super hard in the second act. 
the whole like let's go embarrass Steve because now you got to go dance on stage for war bonds. But like the whole the first act of Captain America is very good. Can you give me yours? What are yours for Marvel? This is tough. Oh, and, and just for what it's worth, just for what it's worth. Um, and this is nostalgic. Again, this is uh, this is like this is my ThinkPad. But when my little kid and I. And I have a photo of us in the empty theater. We'd always go into the theater before everybody else. We'd get the little booster seat, you know, and then bring our snacks. And I'd always take a photo of my little kid in the empty theater. I have so many kids of my kid in an empty theater. It's actually a little bit hectic at first because this five-year-old kid is by themselves, like dozens of feet away, which is kind of weird at that age. But I have a photo of us. We went to see Guardians of the Galaxy. I just remember that movie coming on and I was, I'd seen the, I'd seen the trailer. I'd seen, Peter Serafinowicz and everything. Uh, I was unprepared for that movie. I was like, this is magic. Kind of, in some ways, Ant-Man, kind of like that too. We were like, oh my God, this can be so different and so fun and still be Marvel. And then I feel like that lesson kind of slid off a little bit. Okay, BFF, go. Yeah, um, I think first is the easiest for me in this pairing uh, because I think there's just, there's just not that many Marvel movies that I think you should see that I think it's easy enough to just say first Iron Man, right? It's not, I'm not asking right. you to invest hundreds and hundreds. I'd say like, how many are there? Do you, know, do you have it off the dome? Like what, 15, Like total of all the, all the MCU up through the, where they started getting bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 what are, I mean, how many, I could just check this probably if I have the internet. Um, how many MCU movies? And I got no internet. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh oh my god, 15 30 no. I'm no. I'm seeing 32 films. Is that possible? Let me see. MCU in order of release. 32 is it's hard to recall a time before blah blah blah. In the early 2000s before the there's, like, there's, like, there's like 20 there's like 23 22 23 that I would say like there's there's 20ish that I feel like are That is so much I would have guessed I I did. I guessed I think 15 12 right. 15. But, but but anyway, I would say for the first 20, like my first choice, just do Iron Man because it's a good one and it happens to be you the first like one. It? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Um, It's not my favorite. It's, it's really surprisingly good and surprisingly rewatchable. His performance, like him hanging out, like don't put this on, don't put this on MySpace mm-hmm. with his drink <laughs> and the gesture he makes when he fires the rockets. It's all, and in the end, the line at the end, which I've heard different things about whether he improvised that or what, I don't think he improvised it, but... Don't you feel like the way he nails that at the press conference? Isn't that incredible? Yeah, no, it's a good movie. It's not, I don't think it's the best and it's not my favorite, but it probably should be okay, the first. first movie, Iron Man. Yeah. Yep. Um, favorite? I, I was going to my letterbox D to see if my ratings would help me here and they absolutely do not because I rated them all the same. I bet there's a lot of three and a half. <laughs> there is. There's a lot of three and a half and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so yeah. All right. favorite is difficult. I I haven't seen. Well, you go follow your emotions. Like what what yeah, what, do you, so, what 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 would you love to go home and watch right I now? I haven't seen a lot of these in a long time, but I think I narrowed it down to two. It's either Guardians, mostly based on the strength of the opening and the general overall goodness of the movie. Remember when he kicks the little frog? How funny! Uh, not that opening. The hospital opening. Oh, the hospital is rough. I, I think I. My I little kid did not like that. The, as a fan of leftovers, you can see me going for that. Um. And then my other my other possible candidate. Why won't, for, why won't he give her a hug? My, she just wants a hug. My other candidate for favorite is uh, probably Winter Soldier. 
Oh, that and Civil War. Winter Soldier's got the. If I remember correctly, Winter Soldier has the elevator. That's where Spider is. That where I think that's that's the Robert Redford one. I think that's the elevator. Well, I get get confused with Civil War. Yeah, Civil War gets, but it's not Civil War is when when he fights uh, Iron Man, and that's not the one I'm thinking of. All right, so I so probably it's either it's either Guardians or Winter Soldier is favorite, but I have to watch them again to know for sure. And best. Best is also difficult because I think there's a lot of <laughs> for a variety of reasons. It's yeah, tough. there's a, I, I think there's a whole bunch of MCU movies that are pretty good. Like they're like in that first batch of twenty, mo- there's no real bad ones. But did it's you like so, did you like Ant Man? Can I ask? I did like Ant Man. I don't mm-hmm. think it's the best, <laughs> but like, but then what is the best? And I mean. I just got through saying Iron Man wasn't the best, but Iron Man has is a contender because it is so uh, internally so consistent. It's really sturdy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's an unbelievably confident, unbelievably assured. Right, but it, it never it never quite reaches the emotional heights of the first Guardian, I think. But the first Guardians is also has some wacky stuff in it. Oh my god, the the escape from the prison is so freaking good. I mean, they use the they use the little puppet raccoon in a way that's not just amusing, but like really does. Everybody uses their stuff to drive the story. This ragtag crew, and when you can pull that off, it's so delightful for everybody who gets to watch it. Yeah, I, I probably best my contenders are going to be the same contenders as my favorite, which is going to be Guardians or Civil War. And I, and again, I, I I say this knowing that I haven't rewatched a lot when, of these. When, so I can oh wait, so be, so so favorite is Winter Soldier. Best might be Civil War, correct? No, I I think for I'm I'm uh, copping out and I'm saying for both favorite and best, I'm trying to pick two movies that I can't decide between, and it's the same two movies. Okay, oh, no, that 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 works for me. Well, okay, so when you get that, so I'm your guy on the street, and I'm like, John, just pick one. I think it's not weird at all to say to somebody, and I used to do this at Two Cats Comics all the time. It's something the guys who work there do, and gals who work there. Oh, God, I miss that place. Somebody comes in and goes, you know what? And this would happen, John, every whatever it was Wednesday that I'd go pick up my stuff. There'd be somebody who rolls in there who's in there like their 30s and would say something like, um, I think I'm just, you know, like, can I, is there anything like well, I can help you with anything you're excited about? You know, and so I would say something like, man, I was really into Green Lantern, but I haven't read it in so long because this thing happened and this story happened. And you realize they're talking about something that happened a year ago. Like th- they re- hit the end of their rope with Green Lantern, and believe me, co- comics continuity. Just let handle let the pros handle that. Let's us stay out of that. But what you can do is somebody says, so you say to somebody, you know, I, I think the best are are kind of my favorites, and I don't know which to pick. But one is let's say Civil War or Guardians of the Galaxy. You know how you can make that easy? It's like, did you like Spider Man when you were a kid? You know, or or you can say. Something like, I would say, honestly, say something like, do you like the movies of Edgar Wright? Like, if you if you like Hot Fuzz and the World's End, I think you should probably watch Guardians of the Galaxy. Whereas, if you like something that's a little bit more of a thriller, slightly more grown up, it's the beginning of where they got a little too arch and serious for me. See also the Segovia Accords and the Floating Island and ugh, what a waste of Oscar Isaac. Um, right? But that that's how you tip it. Is to say is you 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 know enough to ask your dear friend whose taste you understand and appreciate something that tips it to one or the other, and then they can decide. They're all on Disney Plus, the most useless of all the services, but they do have all of those. 
And also, like you said before, um, the uh, the first and favorite conversations usually take place amongst people who already have seen them. And it's only really uh, not the, exactly. the best and favorite. Rather, The first one is for people who haven't. But the best and favorite is among. So if you have if you have two choices for best and favorite, you're talking to people who already seen them anyway, and you can have that conversation. But first, it's more important to have a singular choice to, again, remove that burden. So I would say Iron Man. Yeah, first. yeah, yeah. I think we did pretty well here. We did three out of the and five. Yeah, just, just to get out of the way, the Doctor Who, you know my answer to that. My, you know, my, we're not, we're not doing the Doctor Who now. It's still on the list because we're going right. to come back to it in the future. In the future, we mm-hmm. will be FF again. Hmm. Bow ties are cool. Yeah, and at that time, Doctor Who and Star Wars are on the list. Hmm. Hmm. We can always come back to it if it's in the document. You didn't ask me about my yearbook at all. I'm really surprised. No, I know all about your yearbook. Every single one of those pictures you, you show me, not only have I seen before, but I know the stories behind. I don't think you do. I do. I don't think you do. Listen to a lot of huh. your podcasts. Did you know I was the features editor for the newspaper? Didn't know that. And it's like, you know, yeah, I dated two, my, two of the girls. My snarky response that I would have put on Mastodon, I'd badger your book with that. I, didn't. I don't know why you don't respond to my posts. Well, it hurts I mean, me. I get to do them in person. I get, I get the podcaster's privilege. My snarky response. Yeah, but like, uh, it's not, it's not an engagement thing, but it makes me happy when you, when you play with well, me. In this you know, space. I see them, but here you go. Here, here's my response. We get it, Merlin. You talk to girls in high school. That is such a you response. It is. All I see, all I see is how broken my life was. And, and what you see, all I see is, is, is guy, like, oh, so you basically in every one of these pictures is a girl you, that you dated. No big deal. It's like, wait a minute. Every woman on this page you've kissed. Exactly. Also, also Colleen and I did make out a little bit. The one who was in Plaza Suite with me. Mm-hmm. But she had, a bo- she had a boyfriend and, and had a little bit of an alcohol problem. But I, I really liked her a You're lot. You're a bit of a himbo. I'm better. I was better looking than I realized. Yep. That ship is sailed. Oh, 